0: Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Not-So-Common Podcast. This week, I have a guest. He's a YouTuber with over 1.7 million subscribers. He's someone that I've known speciously for a long time. I've only spoken to him about three times, though, in the past eight years. His name is Austin Hargrave, also known as the Peanut Butter Gamer. Welcome, Austin. I like that, speciously. (laughs) You, You like that? my? my English my English lit class paying off from college it's <laughs> got the dictionary up in the side uh, or, yeah, speciously
1: <clears throat> <laughs> i can't say i've heard that one dropped in everyday conversation recently did, did
0: you uh did you attend college at all
1: I did yes. I went to college for i want to say two and a half years until I dropped out. You dropped out
0: to uh, pursue the youtube as a full time career yeah,
1: yeah um. I did. I, I talked about that before uh, in various little places, but uh, pretty much I was going to school. I was one of those people that just went to school because I didn't really know what else to do. Um, kind of got a bunch of student loan debt. Nice. That's, a, the,
0: that's the American dream now. Yeah, apparently, apparently it is. Debt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got a bunch of student loan debt and was uh, going to uh, it was UNT, University of North Texas. Uh, you know some of the, the screw tech guys, like uh, Ben, who works in Death Battle, Nick and, and them? Sure. They uh, went to that school as well. It was just a coincidence. I just lived in that area. And um, I went there for a couple of years. I was taking like radio, TV, and film classes, but mostly I didn't really know what I wanted to do. All I was really doing was YouTube videos, and eventually I decided that, I mean, I signed up with Maker around that point. Back when you had to sign up to partner with YouTube, you had to go with the network.
0: Well, you, that was that's when it was what originally what the Game Station. Yeah, yeah, it was the
1: Game Station. I think Maker Studios ran it, but it was called the Game Station before they moved to called it Polaris, and now I don't even know if Polaris exists anymore. It's just kind of Maker, Maker, and Maker Two or whatever.
0: I remember that because back that's when you know they they were hand picking channels versus you know the, I guess eventually like Machinima and all these other MCNs would just take whoever they could. So I remember mm. it was like you, it was Angry Joe, it was JonTron. Uh, and a few others where back then it was it was sort of the the the, 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 the wide 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 open frontier of oh now we can get monetized the, the MCNs are starting to pop up uh, before yeah. any, before everyone can get monetized
1: yeah I, I think I wouldn't have even been on Maker if I hadn't have submitted uh, one of my videos into their contest they did this contest where they're like oh we'll feature user submitted videos on our channel and I submitted one. And it was actually the first one that they uh, featured, like their first ever featured uh, video for the contest. And then I was like, wow, that's amazing. I got a few hundred subscribers from that, which was huge back then. <laughs> you know, back when you got like 10 subscribers and it was like, oh, what, what happened? Like ten, I blew up. 10 people like, <laughs> are watching my videos? What? <laughs> yeah. So that happened. And then like a, couple, like a week or so later, they called me up and like, hey, you want to make money on your YouTube videos? And I was like uh that's probably only the thing that's only the thing i would want more than anything ever sure let's do it
0: yeah so you're a young kid at the time you're in college i was probably about 18 or 19 i forget how old so what's interesting is that we're about what 10 years apart in age 9 10 years something like that you represent to me the that first generation where you could you could forego college and say screw it let's try youtube because it's, yeah. a sta- because it's established enough that you could do that. So- it was,
1: it, it wasn't, it was, I don't want to like play it up or anything. It was definitely scary. Like I was, you know, I think my first check was maybe like $100 or something. You know, it, it was not something that was a for sure thing. But I did get enough subscribers and I, that I basically reached the point where I felt like if I didn't, drop out of school and put my all into trying to make it work I would really regret it in like 10-20 years that I never gave it a try so that's kind of why I decided to do it also I didn't know what the heck I was doing in college anyway <laughs> I was just going into debt and I was living off of student loan debt So,
0: but, but for you it was an option though so, so you're the first generation, I guess me included that it was a viable option for example True. Um, my friend from college has twin girls that I think they're about 10 years old now and they are monetized, like, on YouTube through a channel <laughs> for, for, like – there's children that vlog and do activities. And but you couldn't – you had to be a certain age. Well, if you, I guess if you get permission, you know, it's, it's okay. like anything else. Get your parents' yeah. – per- a guardian's permission to do that. And to me, that's sort of – that's so weird that you'll have kids growing up now where we, we can get into the fact that TV as a, as a form itself and cable is dying. But that's an option now for children. There's, like, child YouTube stars – where you can make it on your own, you can get huge, and you can be known by other five and six year olds around the world. And I can't imagine that, like when when I was growing up, and even you, when you're five and six, the only kids that know you are the kids on your block and the kids you went to school with. That's, Absolutely,
1: that's yeah. it. Like maybe soccer the soccer team,
0: yeah, and the kids in the playground, the next town over that would try to <laughs> that would try to beat you up every now and then. Like, that was really your world, and now it's sort of opened up. So you so you grew, so you grew up you grew up in Texas. Yes. Around the Dallas area. Around the Dallas area. N- nice and hot and dusty. Yes, yes.
1: It's all smoky here in Seattle now, so I'd ta- I would take dust over smoke. <laughs> well, i just wake up to <laughs> smoke on the forecast. I'm like, oh, great. That or just rain 300 days a year, right? Is that, yeah. Is that true? Not, not as bad as people say. It hasn't rained here in about, like, 60 days, but, I mean, I don't want to get off track. So it's the summer, though. Is that typical or is
0: that climate change, you think?
1: um i mean i don't know about rain specifically um i mean i'm not a i don't know anything about that but i i i i do know that it you i feel like it rain used to rain in the summer but i've (laughs) only been here for like four years i thought if you had asked me like a year or two ago i would have said oh it rains in the summer but it has not rained this summer so I, i i don't know what why that is specifically the smoke i'm sure is because of climate change because it's fires from uh the, from Canada, up north, and it's the smoke's w- wafting down. My friend who lives here told me that he's never seen smoke before, but like the last three years, it's been smoke every summer. Like, it's kind of a weird thing.
0: Easier for uh, brush fires to get bigger. Um, I guess yeah, it's, it's dry. Spray. and oh, That's fine that's fine you, you can just have a nice uh, smoky smell around your house and be like oh that's just part of the it's part of the, the barbecue. Uh, uh, part of the ambiance of living in Seattle now. apparently yeah in the <laughs> summer <laughs> gotta get that that's deadly smoke from the from the north get, getting back to uh to video contests, that's the the first time we ever interacted you remember that uh video contests
1: yes did you say uh, my, my first memory of you is at 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 uh, SGC Correct. Maybe, maybe I don't have a great memory though, so okay, maybe I, I'm forgetting the, the contest.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was. Um. It That was the SGC 2010. Ten. Yeah. Had to be ten. That was the last one before they came back a few years later and rebooted it. That was my first convention as a guest, which was fun having 12 people in your panel on a Saturday <laughs> morning. L- literally 12. I don't think I'm exaggerating. But I remember. Uh, I remember talking to you. I think you were either volunteering or helping out with something at the time. And we if both. It
1: was, if, it, if it was 010, I think I was volunteering.
0: Yeah, and I remember we both discussed, we were both involved with the Game Trailers contest. Mm.
1: Remember I that? Thought that might be, I thought that might be what you were getting at, but I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah. So, so game, when Game Trailers, remember back then. That
1: famous you... Game Trailers contest.
0: Yeah, it was like the next big star. <laughs> yeah. So Game Trailers was going to have this sort of re- reality show-esque thing where. They were gonna have like eight or so uh, content creators, I guess, submit a video, and then they were gonna be like the next big, I guess, contracted uh, user sum- submitted person was gonna be a regular feature. And then they dropped. Yeah, they had the judges and
1: everything. Yeah, they were gonna, like go through phases where you like went through different rounds and stuff.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember having a call. I was on the a line with like I don't know if it was a COO, but I was like on a, like a like a, a phone call with people about this big contest. It was gonna be big, and then it never happened. Yeah, and I was always disappointed I was like, oh, that could have been me. Uh oh, I could have been blown up because of Game Trailers back then <laughs> in 2010. Because that was a big deal getting uh featured as a user uh, submission back then.
1: Yeah, that was how I got a lot of my
0: subscribers through features on ScrewAttack and on Game Trailers. Yeah. That that was that was like sort of the that was the frontier back then where it was like, yeah, you can get noticed on YouTube but not really yet. People weren't just going onto YouTube and looking for stuff. Like, yeah, was- you still had a lot of the you know conglomerate uh, sites of, of users. Uh, for example, um, uh, like that guy with the glasses. A uh, screw attack where they would just combine a bunch of people together. Retroware TV, which you were on for a very short time. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I always felt bad about that.
0: <laughs> you, you got you got off right when I was uh, getting on there about. We sort of crossed past there for like a week or two. I remember back in like two thousand and nine or so or ten.
1: Yeah, I, I was excited to uh, to be on uh, Retroware, but it like right when I got on is when I started talking with John about doing normal boots, and it was like, oh no, this. Like, I wish it had happened a few weeks earlier, and I wouldn't have, like, agreed to doing this. And we're like, we're going to do our own thing. And then I always felt bad about that. Sorry, Lance. (laughs)
0: Lance
1: is like, damn you. Damn you, Austin. I know he's still stewing over it.
0: It could have changed the trajectory of retroware TV forever. (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about uh, the beginnings of Normal Boots? I I remember there was a time where John moved out to where you were in Texas for at least a two or three-month period. And you guys tried to make a go of it uh, out there together. We,
1: uh, we're starting out, well, first, like, I, uh, basically, I met John through Attack and, well, well I saw him one of his videos featured on Screw Attack after I had been using it for a bit. I was like, oh, this guy's really funny, like, he has this sort of natural, like, funny, like, delivery and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, he seems cool, so, like, I hit him up, I was like, good work on that video, I thought it was funny, and then I think, I think he was actually impressed that I had, like, 2,000 subscribers or whatever at the time. So he, I think he was like, oh, wow. Like, that's cool. The, and so we got he, like, messaged me, and we, like, went on Steam and were playing, like, Team Fortress 2 a whole bunch. And he was like, hey, I was going to make this website. I think it was going to be, like, com or something. And he was like, you want to be on it? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Can we change the name, though? <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, was like, yeah, so let's just, like, make our own site. We came up with a whole bunch of names. They all sucked and normal boots was the one that sucked the least, so that's what we went with. And then um, he moved down to, <laughs> he—I don't know why—only a like ni- 18, 19 year nineteen-year-old would think. I guess I probably nineteen. Only a, a nineteen-year-old would think this was a good idea. But he moved down into me with and went to my efficiency apartment. Um, so we were like living in just like this teeny little place together, and that quick with his bird, by the way. <laughs> And uh, so we ended up moving into a, a slightly bigger apartment. We weren't supposed to have the bird, so we had we had like drills of like what we would do if they because they were always coming into our apartment uninvited. So we had like these drills, like what do we do with the bird if uh, if people
0: come over? But yeah,
1: we were just working on the website there, and uh, we he was there for about six months, and then he went to back to California.
0: So so the idea was to make sort of a screw attack style site where you ha- you had uh, c- contributors coming together to work on um uh, content in, in an environment i guess a working environment together
1: yeah I, I think it was yeah we basically wanted to do a sort of screw attack back out the glasses kind of thing where it's sort of like a mixture of the two uh channels like i feel like that guy with the glasses was a little more uh individual content creator focused which was something we wanted but we also liked a lot of the style of the videos that screw attack did so we were just like Let's just kind of do something similar to that and see what happens. But YouTube was always our big thing. We knew we knew, we had fun doing normal boots, but I think both of us at that time realized that YouTube was kind of going to be the new thing. And at the very least, I know I could speak for myself that I knew that no matter what happened on these other websites and even if they were, even if I was making money on blip or something, you know, I was building up subscribers on YouTube and that's where people were following me. So that's kind of where I was like, you know, at that point I still wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to do this for a living. I was still sort of in the mindset where I was like, "Uh, my channel will grow big enough and maybe I'll get a job from it. because someone will be impressed. Like, Oh wow. You were able to do all this by yourself, you know, come help us build our thing. So I, I was still sort of in that mindset. And, uh, so I was like, I need to build up my subscriber
0: base. And that's kind of what my big focus was. So you 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 took the calculated risk of, well, we can work together on this website or else I could put all my focus into this uh, channel individually that I think will grow up quicker and it'll be better overall.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird because we, we wanted to build the website, but at the same time, we still were like, oh, well. We're just going to upload our videos to YouTube too. Like, so we really didn't – it was something we always had a big problem with where we wanted to do something with normal boots. But at the same time, we weren't willing to give up like anything too much on our YouTube channel specifically. I think for a little bit we did a week weekly exclusive on this site. But that didn't last very long So until we started just uploading onto both again.
0: Well, that's tough, isn't it, to have these, these sort of mega team websites. I mean, normal boots still exist today. Uh, yeah, cor- correct. Um, we don't ha- post
1: still what the website though,
0: but you still, I guess you go to like you were just at you were all at we, indiepod. We, yeah, we're
1: we're kind of just like a group, yeah.
0: I guess the question is, is then, what is the place then of for these associated uh, YouTubers? How does it work? Uh, I guess is it for uh, meetups? Is it does it work for conventions? Does it work for the uh collaborations that happen every now and then is i guess is that where the advantage w- would still lie in 2017 versus 2010 i think
1: uh the biggest thing that normal boots did as a whole was it kind of helped build up a subscriber base and we all kind of shared viewers in a sense where it was like you know you followed one person and then you you could see all these other people as well and you know you obviously you didn't have to follow them if you didn't want to but, you know, you were kind of almost forced to be recognize these other channels as well through various collaborations and, you know, name associations and things like that. And I think that's kind of how everybody has kind of benefited the most from Normal Boots just by, hey, they're that group of people that, like, do do that Normal Boots thing. So even if you didn't really know what Normal Boots is, you knew, you know, it was easier to know all the different channels on the network based on knowing just one or two. And people would tell me all the time, like, oh... I watched you and then I found Jared or I watched the completionist and then I saw your channel or something like that. And you know, especially when you go to we go to conventions together, we get those kind of stories a lot. But I think in 2017 specifically uh it, it's more just like a group. It's almost like a a boy band that doesn't sing. Like we just go to like <laughs> conventions together and we can be like you know, obviously we've only been doing uh this this for a little bit now. Um but we we just went to Indie PopCon together, and we were able to just be like, "Hey, we can, we can, all of us, all the normal guys, can come to your show." And let, kind of like instead of like pitching just one or two, like, "Hey, can I come to your p- convention?" Like, we kind of go as a group, and uh, it helps with you know things like that.
0: What ties together the, I guess, individual entities in your mind? Is it a similar work ethic? Is it is it the friendship? Is it just how well you seem to work or at least communicate cohesively as a group? What do you think it is that draws these, let's see, six individual shows together versus, you know, like what, what's the strength there in your mind? I mean, because you have lots of other websites that have uh, loosely affiliated YouTube channels. But what, what is it you think that makes your group stand out, at least in your mind, or why it works?
1: Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think we just get along and, you know, we respect each other, but we also just have fun hanging out. And uh, we don't see each other that often throughout the years. But when we do, you know, we we all hang out and have a great time and, you know, go out for drinks at night and just, like, do do the stuff that buddies do at conventions and things like that. So I think that's probably the thing that keeps us together more than anything.
0: Plus there's the goat rituals that happen every now and then I hear, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> The the goat rituals, yeah, <laughs> the sacrifices. No, we I, we weren't supposed to talk about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that was for that was off you're limits. Gonna, oh, that's off you're the gonna record. edit that out. We don't okay. we don't do our like. Uh, <laughs> no, that's definitely no def no goat rituals.
0: Definitely not. <laughs> it was there, it, Was there ever uh, a time? To go behind the scenes, I'm guessing when you added uh, shows in the past, it probably had to be unanimous. Was there ever someone that maybe some of the group wanted as part of, as part, but then maybe a couple <laughs> didn't? You don't have to say specifically who. Yeah. Was there I ever mean, some, someone like oh oh you know that that Pat guy? He seems pretty cool, but then two people are like Nah, Pat's an asshole. He <laughs> was there ever a point that happened with with the YouTuber?
1: We were um, back in the day. Um, obviously, John's not a part of Normal Boots anymore. Uh, but we, back in the day, it was, it was basically me and John didn't have very many rules, pretty much the only rule that we, but honestly, we worked together, we worked together well in a sense that we were both laid back, but at the same time that also had a lot of flaws because we didn't like, we weren't good at managing things. And also we were young kids basically. Uh, so, but we basically had a rule where both of us had to agree on it or it didn't go. And that there definitely was a couple times where we was like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And it was like, "Nah," and, and like vice versa. So it's just like, "All right, well, there you go." Because that, and that was in, that was the end of the discussion because that was sort of how we had set it up. Like that just is the way it is. Uh, if if he didn't like it or I didn't like it, then it was a no go.
0: Do you ever see your your your? group editing someone else or are you guys satisfied with having sort of a small elite group so to speak that this is cool we can roll with this it's not going to get out of hand having 20 or more uh channels involved you're comfortable with where you're at i wouldn't i wouldn't say elite but uh well, well you I, know I, I, yeah okay. well you know no, what i no, mean no, I, like, feel it. I feel it yeah there's I, there's, uh... there's, we, there's certain websites and groups where you know that there's a there's a certain uh, i guess top tier of talent versus everyone else that's gotten lost in the shuffle like channel awesome is the best example yeah i don't
1: i don't think that we I, i i think that we have we have definitely talked about it it's not it's not off the table um but that is kind of something we decided early on where it was like the more people you add the harder it is to keep everything functional and like keep everybody happy and like you know you have too many people and some people aren't aren't seeing spotlight or whatever whatever And so we always thought it would be easier to just keep it smaller. We did kind of learn, I think, from other websites, like you mentioned, like getting too many people. And then it was like it kind of you kind of lose like what even is normal boots if there's 25 people in it, you know?
0: Sure. Well, let's talk about that. What does that exactly mean, keeping everyone happy in terms of a – uh, mostly loosely affiliated group of YouTube channels um, that, in your own words, don't even see each other for a chunk of the year. So what behind the scenes do you have to watch out for, do you feel? Uh,
1: that's a good question. Honestly, not that much anymore. Back in the day, it was it was uh, being featured on the website, I guess. Like, you know, whose videos up on the front, we kind of just did it based on who uploaded last as opposed to some other websites that would do, like, seven, like, six uploads every day, and then they would choose who went on first, you know, on the, like, old website scroll thing that they used to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, today, I don't – what was the question again? <laughs> the question I guess again? Th- keeping everyone
0: happy, and oh, I guess yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that sort of uh, scrolls into, I guess, managing in a lesser degree uh, egos and, and issues that might arise with people feeling slighted, uh, in terms of having a group structure,
1: yeah. Um, to be honest, there's really not none of that anymore. Like we we basically split. Like we we don't normal boots in and of itself doesn't really make money. I mean, everyone makes money on their individual channels, um, but we do sell merch and stuff. But we've gotten to the point at now uh, where we just split all of it evenly because none of us like the bigger channels don't really care um and you know because you know we're doing our own things and we want to and then the smaller channels can kind of benefit as well so we just split everything evenly um as far as merch sales and things like that um so that's kind of how how we avoid that whole problem because that was always the big thing well it's like if there's money in something that causes problems but and that was kind of why we were able to bring normal boots back i think now um is because we all are doing our own thing and normal boots is just an extra thing we do and half the time it's just an excuse to hang out and and party at conventions or whatever so that's kind of how we keep people happy now but you know back in the day it really was like exposure on the website and you know if you if you get too many people on you're getting a mix of personalities that don't maybe they don't get along as well and you know I don't know certain people expect certain things we did have certain things in the past where people joined normal boots and they thought and they wanted. i don't know what they necessarily expected uh but they wanted something i don't know and then we weren't able to deliver it because we were just two 19 year old idiots doing our youtube channel (laughs) and we didn't really we didn't really think things out so like that that kind of was i don't know it's i'm having trouble answering the question because i don't really know if i there really is a way we do it now it's just everybody's just been on and that's just the way it is so it's almost like it is sort of more like a club, like a normal bitch club, really, than anything else. But that, is, that isn't to say that we wouldn't add people. It's something we've talked about.
0: I've heard you guys have killer members-only jackets that you get once you're a member. So I'm, I'm. <laughs> we've,
1: talk, we've talked about getting jackets. That would be cool, but we don't have them. <laughs> like uh, Asagao Academy jackets or something like that. And we wear them to conventions, but then it'd be so hot. Ugh. I think so yeah it,
0: it should be like the I think it should be like the the movie The Warriors where every YouTuber group has their own like uniform they show up into rumble. <laughs> you know, like some have a top hat, some wear, wear like pink velour jackets. You know, it could be fun.
1: Man, normal beats wrestling show. We got to do it.
0: <laughs> do you, so you enjoy the convention circuit? Is that something that you've grown to love or is it uh is, does it wear on you from time to time uh doing all the conventions? Um
1: To be honest, I am fairly introverted. I don't, I like going to conventions for sure. If I go to too many for too long, it drains me big time. um, Because too much social interaction makes me a little tired. Um, I love meeting people and I I am always super grateful to do it. So I I wouldn't say I love the convention circuit as in like going to a whole bunch of cons. I know like Gerard does that a lot. Jared goes to a lot of cons. That personally uh, drains me um but i do love going to cons every now and then like two three a year that's kind of my if i can keep it to two three a year then i do love it
0: two or three a year okay that's yeah that's a that's a slight schedule i guess uh yeah i guess if you, if you don't have to and if, if it's not for you some people are built for it definitely more than others yeah um,
1: gerard is one of those people gerard's a like, machine super he has way more energy than i could have he has more energy in a year than i have my whole life i think
0: gerard i've seen gerard uh like see him... Like at the beginning of the day, and then I'll see him six hours later, and like, yeah, I just talked to like for five and a half hours with a group of fans. I'm like, oh my god, Jordan, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> like, you should be knocked out now. Um, yeah, some people are definitely uh, more comfortable with it. I won't get into specific uh, YouTubers that I know. Some that tell me privately, like, yeah, I really don't like doing it that much. I have to versus others that really relish the experience. Um, I guess uh, for someone like me, it's it's part of the job, just in terms of. If I have to, you know, um, sell my book, for example, I have to go to the convention yeah. to sell it. I mean, it just makes the most sense to do that. Yeah. Um, so, for example, last year I went to like ten to twelve conventions, and it just wore me out. But I, hey, I, I chose it; I had to do it.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel that. I consider it part of the job as well, if, if for no other reason than to just meet fans, for sure. Or I don't even like using the word fans. I don't usually say that, but just to meet people who watch you know, your stuff. I <laughs> people just like,
0: who enjoy... People yeah. who consume your content. Content consumers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why, why I don't, don't you know. Like... I've always had an aversion to the word fan for some well, reason. Why
0: is that? I don't know.
1: It's, I don't know. I couldn't is, tell is you. Is it
0: too... Uh, does it seem like it's too... It's egocentric? like it's going, oh,
1: my fans. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like... I don't. There's, realistically, there's nothing wrong with it. Because like, that's... You know, that people are fans of, of your work. But I just... I don't know. I caught myself saying
0: it, and I don't like saying it. Is it, is it a self conscious thing where it's almost like yeah I mean, you you don't you don't like you don't want to seem too self complimentary even just saying oh I have fans. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, it is sort of yeah kind of that self complimentary thing. Also, it's just like I I don't want to presume everyone that watches my videos is a fan of me. They just might just watch it every now and then or something like that. Sure. Or even people I meet at cons, like they could just be like, oh, you're that guy. Like they might not be fans.
0: I don't know. I, I, see what I see what you're saying. So you're, you're saying that even if I have uh, 1.7 million uh, subscribers, maybe half are fans or yeah. s- some <laughs> some subscribed and watched three videos? Yeah, you just know? <laughs> some, some are
1: dead. Some <laughs> are are dead. dead. Yeah, it, it, that's going to be That's sad to think about,
0: bud. Hey, in 50 <sighs> years, you're going to have some YouTubers with you know 500 million subscribers. And yeah, some will be dead. You'll have yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 million will be dead. It's going to be confusing. To, to know that, right? Yeah, uh, when, I'm,
1: when I'm 70, I'll be like, oh, man, I'm still going on YouTube. <laughs> Only 80% of my subs are dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how you'll be generating uh, your popularity. Well, 5% of my uh, subscribers still watch my videos, or 1%. <laughs> do, do you see that as uh, the long-term career path for yourself? Do you see yourself doing YouTube videos 20, 30 years from now? Do you see that as what you want to be doing?
1: Ah, uh, Not really. I mean... I, I, not, not to say that I have any plans of quitting. I just, it's hard to imagine that I could, would still be doing it in 20, 20 years. Like even, even 10, I hope, but I don't know. Uh, but to me, excuse me, to me, it's, uh, more about will people even want to watch like five, 10 years from now? That's like, I mean, 10, 10 years is a long time. I mean, I basically, I've almost been doing YouTube for 10 years and so many things in my life is so many things in my life has changed. It's hard to imagine that more things wouldn't change in ten more years, but I—I I mean, ideally, yeah, I'd still be doing it, and I'd still be growing, and people would still be liking it, and I'd still be enjoying making the content. Um, but twenty years, I don't know about that. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Peanut Butter Gamer might fade away after tw- after twenty years. You know, that doesn't seem realistic to me. Do you see that, wrong
0: though? Do you see there being maybe a. a, a... For most YouTubers, a certain career path or arc where you'll have some that will stick it out for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They'll be, they'll be 80 years old doing it. Maybe some go into behind-the-scenes production or they start managing channels or just doing something off of YouTube. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Someone like uh, Greg from Kind of Funny he has flat out said in the future he sees himself just being behind the scenes and just running a company versus being on-air talent. Um, yeah so maybe it's a path that will find certain youtubers or the the opportunities present themselves like maybe an opportunity you see coming to you or all right i'll start doing this differently it doesn't have to be even having to do with content creation but maybe it's something else maybe it's writing maybe it's directing something you know may, or maybe it's uh, i don't know going into accounting i don't know whatever interest you you have out there
1: uh for me personally i think that i i actually prefer being behind the camera uh i don't know how many people know that i don't really like being i thought back in the day when i was young i was i would go to like uh conventions and i'd be like man that would be so awesome to be like uh, on the stage and you know people want to talk to you but then i i then i realized later that that's really not me i would rather be behind uh the camera i in fact i mean that was one of my favorite things was like cinematography i wanted to learn about that in school and like maybe like be some kind of director or something not to say that i would be a good director but i do kind of prefer writing and and being behind the camera even behind the mic i don't i don't mind being like doing voiceovers and stuff like that i've always been comfortable with that but so i mean i could see that happening i i think that would probably something i would enjoy a lot i don't know who would want to hire me though (laughs) so
0: well do you see in the current youtuber environment i guess in the ecosystem are there a lot of opportunities presenting themselves to youtubers to even try something different or are or are most youtubers being pigeonholed into okay well this is what you're good at right now so this is what you're going to be doing
1: you know that's a good question i i do know i have noticed that like some channels Have seemed to. I have noticed. You mentioned some channels like dying off or like moving on to other things. I have seen some of that, Um, but I think we probably have to wait and see a little bit longer to see like some of the channels that are have really been doing this for a long time for a living. You know what will they do uh, in the next few years? Honestly, I'm I'm more interested to hear the answer to the question more so than I have an answer to it.
0: But in a perfect world, though, you would like to still be involved with creation, but maybe write, direct, and I guess work with others more so than, hey, I'm the one-man show writing, directing, starring, editing in my Peanut Butter Gamer videos.
1: Yeah, that would be ideal. But I, I still don't have any plans of quitting doing my YouTube videos by any means. You heard <laughs> it here first. Like, you, know... you heard
0: <laughs> it here first. Peanut Butter Gamer quitting YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in 20 years. <laughs> so it's obviously something you still enjoy. But might you might be it might be preferable to sort of change it up at some point. I guess it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in I wouldn't be surprised if in ten fifteen years I was tired of doing it. I'm not right now, though. I'm just sort of
0: speculating. Sure, absolutely. Obviously, you're still fairly young. Things can change. Your interests can grow. Opportunities. Don't have kids yet. All. You don't That's have kids yet. Hey, that might be that might force you to stick it out though with your job. Hey, you got to maybe Hey, you've seen college. You know what the loans are like. You got to. I you do. Gotta, you you got to get that college fund going uh, for those five kids you're going to have. You know, that's how
1: that's pretty much the only thing that drives me business wise. <laughs> I don't. I've never cared about business. I just like making videos. But anytime I'm thinking anything business, like oh, someone approaches me with a brand deal, anything like that, I'm like, kids, I'm going to have kids like <laughs> <Well, laughs> that.
0: Well, let's get into that because you know being a, a YouTuber isn't just about creating content; it is about being. You have to be somewhat savvy as a business person on your own. And let's let's talk about brand deals. Let's okay. you know they've they've always been around, but I've 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 seen them become more prevalent due to quote unquote the ad apocalypse and other other things going on. How do you how do you feel about that? How, do, how have your fans reacted to brand deals and sponsored videos? You know, stuff like mobile apps, for example, and games like that. Have you seen there been, been any backlash? Have they been open to that? Being that have the have the not the fans? Have the followers been more <laughs> been, been more open to brand deals based upon the current YouTube environment?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, it seems like it. Um, I think viewers understand now more than ever in the past that you, you know youtubers you doing youtube takes a lot of time it's not as easy as maybe people thought back in the day you know depending on what kind of content you're making obviously but it can take a like me for example it could take me two or three weeks to finish something like you you, you with uh pat the funk you know what that's like it's you, you especially if you really care about it like you want sure. you want to make it as good as you can make it and um that takes time. You, you gotta script the content. For, you have to come up with ideas first of all. You gotta script it. You gotta play the game if you're playing a game. Take notes on it. I usually do like three or four drafts of my script before I'm finished with it. Um, then you gotta record the voiceovers. You gotta film, and then you gotta throw it together. It's like it's a big thing. And honestly, the the hardest part is just for me is getting the script finished and ready to go to where I feel comfortable starting on the you know the rest of it. Then it's just sort of a work. You just work. get it done at that point but
0: so you see the brand deals are sort of hedging your bets against the reception and or views revenue of doing the i guess the the bread and butter videos uh, on your channel so it allows you more freedom that okay if i do this brand deal obviously it's not my the content everyone is looking for but hey it gives me it gives me more carte blanche to go out and try something that might take two to three weeks to put together
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually did just do, uh, I seem to get like offers in the summer, I did a handful of uh, brand deals for a couple months. And now I'm kind of at the point where people were really cool with it, for the most part, like people understand. And now I'm like, Alright, well, I'm just gonna do whatever I want for this next video. I'm literally doing something I have no idea how many views it'll get. It's just something I wanted to do. And we'll see how it goes. But it's like maybe, maybe without that, I would have felt like, oh, I got to do something else. Like I got to do a hacking video or something. I know I'm, is going to get a lot of views or something. So that that is something that helps with with freedom, uh, like creative freedom, and just doing what you want without worrying about paying the bills by making some kind of buzzy, you know, video that's going to get a lot of clicks
0: peanut butter gamer killed click to find out (laughs) you know it's like well well, he edited it that's impossible um (laughs) so definitely you you felt the audience has matured i mean i've i personally have seen it where the first the first two or three brand deals or even sponsor videos used to get these you used to get killed for doing those like three four or five years ago it's like how dare how dare you do this and i think um i think with with the advent of many People now, younger people, teenagers growing up, not watching TV as much. I think they realize that this is how it works. This is how it has to work. You either, you either have sponsor videos, you have advertisements. I mean, that's just the way you have to um, sort of support enter- entertainers. That's just the only way to do it. Capitalism, um, yo. Yeah, that's what we that's what we got going
1: here. That's <laughs> <You got laughs> what you
0: got going. My brand deals are few and far between with my content. <laughs> But uh, it's still fun, though, obviously. Um, how have you seen your own content change throughout the years? I mean, I can, I can imagine myself starting doing videos. I mean, when I started doing videos, um, it was 2008, so I'm in my late 20s. But I even seen my have seen my own writing mature and change. How, how have you seen that in your own work over the years?
1: Um, I've... For the past few years, I've always tried to have a mix of of the old and kind of the new, I try to focus on, every now and then I will go back and watch, I know some people that like never watch your old stuff, but I do specifically go back and watch it just to see like, you know, make sure I, I know what was working for me then. Like I want to get that same kind of feel, but I do sort of evolve. I do think I have evolved my content a lot and I think of it as I think the scripting. I'm more detailed in how I plan everything out. Whereas before I would just kind of, Let's play Yoshi's story, and I'll just like do whatever. And you know that that it, there is some charm to that, though. And I try to make sure I don't lose that uh, that sort of carefree, do whatever you want kind of thing. Like you don't want it to feel too scripted, like like it's too planned out. But at the same time, I I want to add more things and like make every video feel special and like. Like, I really put effort... Like, the thing that gets me the most is if I upload a video I spend a long time on and someone says, oh, this video seemed lazy. Like, that's the one, that's the one that gets me. Like, that's what I don't want to feel. I don't want people to feel that when they watch it. So, I, I don't know if my content really has changed all that much. If anything, I think I just put more effort into every video and try to get better over time while still keeping the same charm, which is not easy to do. If you've been doing it for so long,
0: when you see a comment that says your content's lazy, you, do you take that personally or you, you just have to shrug it off?
1: Oh, I mean, you just have to shrug it off. I, I, I don't. I mean, I take it personally in the sense that I take the criticism. And even if it, it, to me, if if criticism irritates me, it's valid. That's kind of how I look at it. So if I see someone that says something that like makes me go ah, makes me kind of irritated, like why would you say that? It's like well, there must be some truth to it. So. That's when I see someone saying something like that. I I try to think, what am I doing wrong? Like I must have done something. I mean, obviously, if it's just one guy, you can only take that. You can, you're not, not going to please everybody.
0: I was going to say uh, if it's if it's one comment, you, you're constantly then sort of catering to the mob. But absolutely. Versus, versus if it's like yeah, if it's like 50 people saying the exact same thing about a certain joke or video, I, I can see that. That's what you're saying though. Not just one person says something you're like, oh my god, he's right. That yeah, person absolutely. is right.
1: <laughs> which is why which is why I, I say only if it gets to me. Like, if I upload a video that I know I really liked and someone's like, that sucked, that was lazy, I'll be like, eh. Like, but if if it gets to me, then there must be some truth to it. So that's kind of when I start to self-reflect and try and see, you know, did I really do everything I could on this? Maybe I could have done something better. You know, that kind of thing. I think back in the day, I was very, like, I would see criticism and I would just be, like, eh, and I would just get irritated by it. And I think I've maybe matured a little bit where I'm like, you know, these are people watching my videos. Like I want to, you know, I may not change just from one comment, but, you know, I want to I want to make people happy. And that's pretty much the thing that I fall back on whenever I'm doing my videos. It's like I want to make as many people happy as I can um, while still making the content that I want to make. Obviously, entertaining yourself to me is kind of the most important thing. Interesting. Right.
0: So so at the end of the day, when you're writing and you're creating, you're basically doing it for what you would enjoy seeing and watching. Pretty
1: much. Because like you said, it's hard to it's hard to please other people. And I don't really know like I that's something that's changed over time for me too. I, I stopped making videos for other people and made them for me. Because I don't really know what other people want to see necessarily. But I know what I think is funny. And so I just try to do that. I try to do a video I basically I try to make myself laugh and then hopefully other people like it. Um and my favorite videos are the ones that I look back on a few months later and be like I had a lot of fun doing that one. And um that's kind of how I judge whether a video was a success or not, so to speak.
0: Let's talk about your uh, your Goodwill Games series. How how did, how did that come about? You know, I don't, because I, I did the first one
1: a while back, and then I it took a little bit before I did another one. So I don't really remember what my initial thought was, I, but I've always loved going to thrift stores. Like, I, I would watch other people like go on YouTube go to thrift stores, like you would do your uh, thrift store, what's the show called, Thrift Store Madness or something?
0: Close, Flea Market Madness. Flea Market Madness, have that's credit. it.
1: credit. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I would see people like you going to thrift stores, and... Uh, I actually didn't know of, of Clint at the time, but Lazy Game Reviews, he has a cool uh show where he goes to thrift stores now. I like to watch that. But I've always loved going to thrift stores. Um just like the idea I used to try and find retro games, but eventually they stopped you stopped really finding well, unless you know where to go. You stopped finding you know, obviously you can go to like a flea market or something like that, like you do to find retro games. But I usually would just go to thrift stores but it, it instead of becoming like finding going there to find retro games i would just find this the weirdest stuff and i'm just like what is this and so i'm just kind of fascinated by stuff that i find at thrift stores and to be honest it's one of my i don't have a whole lot of free time anymore so i never really know what to do with it if i have like take like a saturday off or something but one thing i do know i could do and have a good time is just make a run at all the thrift stores and sure. so you know when you do youtube for a living everything you like becomes content basically so that's kind of how I started it, and um, I think, I don't, I, I guess that was my original inspiration. I don't really remember how I came up with the idea. I think I had it, excuse me, I got the hiccups. I think I had the <laughs> idea in my notebook for a long time before I did it, and then I was just like, oh, I'll just do that. And so it was just kind of th- a thing I did, and then later I realized that, you know, that was pretty fun. I'll just do more of them. And now it, it kind of, it's weird because I did a poll a while back where I was like, Of all the shows that I do on my main channel, what's your favorite? And Goodwill Games ranks last on polls. But it still gets more views than some of the other videos. So I don't really understand what that's about. um, But I enjoy making those probably more than any of the other ones on a consistent basis. Like, I always enjoy making those. Because I can just talk about whatever I want. And it doesn't have to be popular you know, it helps if I can put Sonic on the thumbnail or something, if I'm talking about, like, Sonic, if I find, like, Sonic Schoolhouse or something. Sure. But, you know, realistically, I can talk about Mia, the, like, child's learning game that I didn't even know what it was when I found it. Um, and that's kind of what's fun about it is, is, you know, usually YouTubers do stuff about things they know stuff about. Like, oh, I love Zelda, I love Mario or whatever. But, like, who loves Mia? Like, I don't even know, I didn't even know what that was. So you don't even know what you're getting into. And that's part of what's fun about it.
0: You're kind of going into the game's cold. Uh, yeah, so to speak, it, totally.
1: And it's like, is this even going to be worth doing a video? I don't know. Let's put it in
0: and try. It's kind of, I I, I got to steal your idea for flea market games, then, because yeah, there's so many weird ass games I find that I pick up that I would never dream of playing, like like the the Mary Kate and Ashley Olson you know games that that are out there for the GameCube or whatever. I would just find these at just the flea market, and you don't know these games even exist until you see them, like in yeah. front of your fa- face for a dollar fifty. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's really weird and interesting. You know, let's go for that. I guess that's part of the fun, right? Going out to the flea market or a thrift store cuz you don't know what you're going to find. It's like a treasure hunt. You can find something really Absolutely. good or you can still find garbage that you might think is interesting and pick up for cheap. Sometimes the garbage is the best
1: find if if you look at it with the right eye, you know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. It's like, yeah. And then and then there's the best part where is when you go to the cashier and there's just like girl about my age and I'm cashing out like uh hannah montana uh <laughs> elmo one two three and uh cheerios game and it's like what's well, just like what the heck is wrong with this guy and i'm like
0: she's giving you like the side eye like what this person's yeah. insane what are they doing
1: <laughs> i it used to bother me but i stopped caring about stuff like that a while back it's it's just like whatever
0: i was gonna say so you find these pc games is it troublesome sometimes trying to get them working properly like using a dos box or you know games that are like 10 20 years old
1: yeah, that's the only not fun part of it. Um, I have a, I have a um, Windows 98 uh, virtual PC now that's usually pretty effective. Um, but every now and then something like the sound won't work. And it's a big pain to try and fix it. That's the only part of it that's not fun.
0: So, yeah, I guess that's, that's – you have to have like a rig set up, yeah, just for these old-ass games because these aren't – you're not going to see like some of these educational games on good old games to download for four bucks. So, yeah. So yeah. it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's essentially – when I saw that, the Goodwill Games, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's where we have a sort of small connection in our hearts as, as content creators. As yeah, we, we
1: should go thrifting sometime. <laughs> hey, you know what? Take uh, me to hey, flea if, market.
0: If you're ever out in San Diego, or if, I'm trying to think the next time I used to go to, I went to PAX uh, Prime. Well, now it's called what PAX West. Uh, back in Seattle, what was that? I went there like twice. Like th- I've been there in like five years though. But hey, next time, Too uh, many I' many people see- there anyway? Well, let's see. Let's see. I, I might see you in Portland if you come back.
1: I plan. I have made specific plans, but I, I mean, I have gone the past few years so.
0: Uh, and then maybe I'll try to get you out to the, the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo. We're going to do that maybe next year. But um, I remember I felt so bad just because we never get to really speak about anything ever. And the, <laughs> one, t- the one time I had the opportunity in Portland, do you remember the state I was in uh, when I saw you at Portland that, like, Friday night? I think, you, like, your hotel room was, like, one or two next to mine. Do you remember that?
1: Uh you, you were tired, right?
0: Yeah, that's to say the least. I um I, I had just gotten, I think, back from setting up all the the books at the booth. And I was—I remember—I was—I was out of my feet, and I was staggering around. I think my water bottle was in my hand. <laughs> and and you opened the door, and you were so nice. You had like, "Hey, Pat, we got some pizza. Why don't you come on in and hang out?" I remember mumbling <laughs> something like, uh, "Long day, tired. I got, yeah, I to go got a bit," and I was probably asleep within like three minutes of that conversation had <laughs> with you. Falling asleep in the middle of the uh, the reply. Yeah, it was just—it was just a sort of a. Uh, one of those things where it's like, oh, I feel awful now because you know you asked me to hang out and never get to see you, and uh, I was just, I was just out, I was just out.
1: Nah, I, I, I didn't think twice about it. I mean, I, I, if I see another uh, guest at a convention and they look tired, I know what's up. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> I, I know what's I know what's wrong with you. You're either really tired or you're really hungover, depending on the time of day.
0: Yeah, I wish I wish I had time and energy to be hungover at convention. Just, <laughs> it's, just it's, it's just rough. Um,
1: I'm getting to the point where I'm not sure if I'm young enough to make it work anymore. Like I used to be able to, like ah whatever, and just get up in the morning. And now it's like, Ugh,
0: well, back when I was your age. <laughs> I would say about twenty six, twenty seven is when I officially is like, ooh, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure I can sit up till three thirty drinking. I, I I just yeah, I I just it's not in me anymore. I think that's when it started happening. Around it's that a nice age.
1: slap in the face where you're just like, what happened? I thought I was I thought I could do anything. What's wrong with me?
0: Yeah, I think there's a there's a limited shelf life for that that amount of partying. <laughs> at least at least in my eye, I'm sure if I had to do it like once or twice a year, I could get up for it. But no, I can't be doing that anymore. Like long long gone are the days at Magfest where I, oh yeah we can stay up till like four thirty and party every night. I was like nope, can't do that anymore. I won't be able to get up.
1: <laughs> yeah, at, at Indie uh, we had this one normal. I didn't mean to change the subject. I'm really good at oh, that. Go if it. you haven't noticed uh but we had it was our one like okay one night we're going to have like a really like not, we're going to go to a nice place and like have a have a dinner and you know drinks and stuff and it was not me ordering it but someone kept ordering wine and drinks and I'm I'm the kind of person you put in front of me I'll just have it I'm like okay I'm a, I'm going oh okay and kind of person and then like the next morning, I woke up. We had a, did do a signing at ten, which is really realistically not that early, but early if you've been up all night.
0: That's early for a con. That's very
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we had a I had a panel right after that, and then we had a show later. And uh, oh man, that first hour of the two hour signing, I I, I put it on my professional face. I was doing it, but like every like every ten fifteen minutes, I would turn around and just go. Whew. <laughs> and then turn around, and be like, "Hey,
0: how's it going?" <laughs> it's just like you need like a five-hour energy drink, like every hour.
1: Yeah, I did. I, at one point, I was like, uh, "Jacques is Drudge brother. He was there helping us." I was like, "It's
0: like Jacques, can you give me some Advil?" <laughs> and then people were like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Oh no, I'm fine." Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're just like slumping over,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just like chugging water bottles. <laughs> nah, but it's
0: it's 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 all good. Um, do, you, do, you, uh, do you find yourself, when you're doing these long signings, uh, you said you're an introvert, so the energy to keep going, doing it hour after hour, and the, the drain on you, does it ever get to the point where you have to find yourself not just going through the motions and try to make every person that comes up feel unique as an individual? So obviously, they come out to see you. They might be flying out across the country. Is that, is that something you, you are cogniz- cognizant of when you are talking to people?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you you always want to try to uh, not zombie mode it. Yeah. Like, um, I, I think when I first started doing some of that, it was a little harder because, you know, I'd never really done it before. I like you were talking about how you did like panels at cons like back in the day. Um, I should have been doing that, but I wasn't because I think part of it was I was too nervous. I didn't want to do a panel. I was afraid, you know, like. I was afraid maybe no one would show up. I was afraid that I would, like, choke on stage or something. So I waited way too long uh, to do that kind of thing and, like, be, like, a guest at a convention. But so when I first started doing it, it it was a little bit overwhelming, even when it was still small. But I think I did it. I've done it enough at this point that it's really... I've realized, basically, that people, when they show up to to go to a signing, like... (laughs) This, uh, this is kind of weird to say, but like you I could say pretty much anything and they, and they'd be fine like they they're just interested in like seeing you and uh, like I'll do the most awkward things and they'll and they'll apologize and I'm like no I dropped I dropped the pen. And it's like you don't have to apologize it was me like I, like I don't know it, it, it kind of reached a point where it's like if you're awkward sometimes you're both just awkward together and if anything that's just something that you can like connect with. Like I'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm just I just am like blunt with people. Like, sorry, I'm just a little clumsy. I'm awkward. It's whatever. And then people, it, people don't seem phased by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not a huge problem because uh, uh, everybody seems always has their own story. Sometimes people are shy, and that's just you just carry the conversation, and that's and that's fine.
0: Yeah, but, I always um, it's it's always tough because I I try to you try to make everyone feel like okay. Um, yeah, it's not just giving everyone stock answers. Yeah, you know, pe- pe- uh, people come out to see you. Um, you know, you have to respect that. Obviously, they're spending money, they're spending time out of their out of their lives to do that. But then you always see the one comment, at least I do right now. And then, was like, "Oh, I met Patty. He was kind of a douche." And <laughs> I always, I always feel like, wow. It's like you got to, I got to watch it. I have to try to be extra. Nut-. Obviously, if someone takes something the wrong way, and I can be sort of a punk sometimes. Uh, but you always have to be, you know, make sure you respect everyone that comes up to you. You yeah, always absolutely. Gotta, you always have to make sure that hey they're, they're there to see you you know you're you're in a state you're in a, a position of privilege that someone's coming out to see you um to say hi to you and so that's something something that that i don't think most youtubers take for granted but it, it's something i have to even remind myself at times that okay you are, you should, should feel special um that you're in you have the opportunity to put in this position so don't, don't don't take it for granted so to speak yeah
1: totally absolutely and that's why you get up at 10 a.m even if you're like hung over from some mistakes in the more from last night like and and that's that's kind of what i'm thinking when i'm getting up and doing that and even like even that day specifically i was like well these people came to see me like i i knew what i was getting into last night now i just have to do my part and get up and and uh you know be there and and put you know put on a good face and it, but i mean it's fun too and you know you meet people and like like they're they're like you, someone like i i, I don't want to say too much of the story because you know i i don't want to i didn't ask permission but there was someone who like told this story about how she was ill in the hospital and she was and she would watch our videos i think i was i with jared or gerard at the time um and she started crying on this and the and we just hugged her and like it's just like people i mean some people are just showing up like i said earlier just like oh hey i saw i saw there was a line who are you like you know that kind of thing happens (laughs) oh yeah who are you again what do you do (laughs) And hey, that's that's an opportunity to be like, oh yeah, do you have my I do YouTube videos? You'll check them out. Uh, so hey, that's a new potential fan right there. But yeah, I mean, it, it they, uh, there is a uh, there is a sense of you know it, it, there is a genuine connection most of the time, and uh, and every now and then, obviously, if you're meeting a bunch of people, someone's like I said, someone's shy, and you do have to have like a stock so so like how are you how are you enjoying the convention so far? You know, but even then, it's just like I'm it's just you trying to carry the conversation because they're nervous or you know whatever. Just that kind of thing, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 a very rewarding thing. I, I, I talk about it like I don't enjoy it. it. It's it's not the case at all. It's it it's just can be draining for an introvert for too long. I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, at least I, I I always felt that I was I'm more of an introvert, and then I had to force myself to expose myself to you know uh, the entertainment world. I, I forced myself to do improv a little bit in college, and that sort of made it easier to be open with myself in front of a, a crowd, but it, it's, still, it's still a little bit of work to do that. Um, and you can develop it, but doesn't ever make it necessarily more comfortable within yourself. It really depends upon the person, obviously, yeah, and how, and how comfortable you are uh, doing it. But it's funny, though, that, that you, you describe yourself as an introvert and then you have you know up to a couple million people watching your videos. So at some point, you have to be comfortable with putting yourself out there for people to see you. Yeah, yeah, it's like you, you've crossed that boundary at least. You've crossed that sort of obstacle.
1: Yeah, it's it's more practice than anything, honestly. Like you do it for I I I I did reach a point as well, like you said, where I had I was like, you know, I say no to too many things. So like I'm just to say yes more. So I'd be like, yes, I'll go to this convention. Yes, I'll go to this thing. You know, yes, I'll I'll go on uh Pat's podcast, you know, like just stuff like that. Oh,
0: was this was this a big decision? <laughs> oh, no,
1: no. <laughs> Definitely not. But you know, I mean, I did I did I did reach that point where I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I need to just start doing this stuff. It's like I, every now and then I check myself with will I regret not doing certain things, you know, 10 years from now? And like at one point, a few years back, going to conventions and stuff was one of them. I was like, I'll regret it. Like eight like cuz I remember 18-year-old me wanted to do a, a panel more than anything. But 24-year-old me has stage fright and horrible anxiety. So so eventually I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna have to do it. And if I pass out on stage, you know, that that'll be a fun memory. Like I what I didn't want was (laughs) regretting never doing it, you know, and that's kind of how I started going to cons like that. And, you know, after a while, like anything, you just do it enough and it, it becomes second nature. It's really not a problem.
0: Has there been a moment on stage where we at a convention that you felt like a little mini panic or, oh, my God, what am I doing? And you had to, like, take control back and be like, OK, I can get through this. It's OK. Has it ever happened to you where you felt like you're on that, that verge?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, uh, you know, this we might be delving into an entire different conversation at this point. But uh, I had uh, panic attacks when for like my whole life uh, since I was maybe nine or ten. Um, I remember the first one I ever had was at a restaurant at night, um, with my parents in downtown Dallas or something. And I had this really bad panic attack where I felt like I couldn't breathe. And especially back then, I didn't know why I didn't know what like a panic attack was. So I thought like there was something wrong with me. And, uh, ever since that one time I had it, I started developing, you know, people use the word trigger, but like I had, I developed like a triggers, like, Oh, I had a, pan- a panic attack at a restaurant with a lot of people in, in, in at night. And so then it started every time I was in a restaurant at night with a lot of people, I would have a panic attack almost every time. And then I would have another one, you know, at, at a different, like at a different place. And then, so every time I would go there, I'd start to have panic attacks and it, it developed into, like, act, just, like, straight-up anxiety, like, health anxiety, basically, where I felt like I was always ill. I always had some something wrong with me. I was always I, – I was having a heart attack at age 12. You know, I was – I had asthma all of a sudden at age 15. You know, just, like, things like that. And and, and it took me a long time to realize how, how weird your brain is. And, you know, if you perceive something as reality, it almost becomes that. Like, if you think you're sick, you're basically sick. Um, And, you know, it took me a long time to get over that. Um, And I think around 18, 19 is when I got over it initially. Uh, And then it came back after a kind of traumatic event a couple years after that um, on the way to the airport, which then became a trigger. Uh, So anytime I was driving to the airport by myself for a while. I'm now I've now kind of gotten over it. I it, it's something I try to talk to people about like viewers that like message me. I try to be open about it because I remember being a kid and feeling like I was only one, you know, like and I and no one understood me. My parents didn't understand me. And my parents were great and they were super loving, but they didn't get it. Like, you know, they weren't psychol psychiatrists or whatever that would you'd need to be to understand that. Um so they just knew that I always thought I was sick and then I never was. So you know then people start take stop taking you seriously, even which can be even more discouraging. so I try to be honest about it and like upfront about it, but eventually, I was able to by myself really i didn't ever have therapy or anything kind of overcome that and realize that it's all in your head and but things like that still come back, even today. Even today, Like, I'll be on a panel. It usually happens with other people. When I'm by myself, I ramble, so I don't like have time to think about it. You, you, but, fill,
0: this, you fill the air, so you don't have time to think. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And I'm good at rambling, if, if, if you guys haven't noticed <laughs> after an hour of the podcast so far. Uh, but, you know, it, I'll be sitting there, and I'm like, oh, no, what if I panicked? And you get that thought in your head, and it all starts to come back. But I have kind of trained myself that you know nine times out of ten i can i can everything's fine like i know everything's fine and you just kind of like convince yourself that everything's okay um kind of thing so that happens sometimes and uh you know i, for, I i've i've uh forgotten the point of the story at this point but yeah it does ha- it does happen uh sometimes even to this day but that was definitely something that kept me from doing it and going to conventions and things like that in the
0: initially so you're better now, and, 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 you, and it's interesting you said that it's actually – it was worse for you when you were with the group, I guess, because you were sitting there at points not talking. Yeah. Very interesting. I expected it to be easier because you have a support group that could speak and, and bring up topics or, or make points instead of you if you had to. Interesting. Do you feel that um, the content creation helps with, with this issue you have? Does that sort of uh, give you some, some sort of um, an outlet to get around some of this anxiety you experience at times?
1: I'd love to say yes, but I think it's the opposite, honestly. Um, it's because you never leave your room, you know? Like, the thing that helps the most, like, as far as, like, active things you can do that's not in, in your head it is leaving the house, getting exercise, you know, going out and, you know, socializing, things like that. So, kind of if you sit around in your room writing all day, you know, that's, if anything, that's bad for your anxiety, or at least is for me. Um, but, you know, that's that's my job, so it is what it is.
0: So how do you try, try to strike a balance? Do you, do you spend uh, do, you, do you put aside time per day or maybe a, a few days a week to go outside to go, maybe go to exercise or take a walk? How do you, how do you deal with that? I do try to exercise at
1: least uh, three times a week, but to be honest, my anxiety is not a huge problem for me anymore. I'm happy to say. And, okay. and a big, a big part of it was, um, being able to talk about it. That's, that's a huge thing. And and that's kind of something I realized, which is probably why therapy would have been great when I was like 15. Um, but but uh, just because talking about it and being open about it, you ha- you're forced to kind of acknowledge what it is. It's all just like a basically a mental health issue, I guess, like um, and being able to talk bluntly about it for me has always been in and of itself some kind of therapy. Uh, but I used to not be able to talk about it, you know, and that was that was when it was bad, you know. I, I mean, I still get I still get anxiety issues from time to time, but it's it's nowhere near the problem that it used to be.
0: Well, that's good. I, it, it feels like you you are of a, a similar uh, sort of maybe a similar track sometimes with my, with my other podcast uh, partner Ian, where where sometimes the anxiety gets to him, but I think it helps him when he's public about it. In speaking yeah. about it because it, not just you can find solace, but then you, you. I think sometimes you realize when you speak out about this stuff, you're actually helping someone else who who either can't speak about it or doesn't, or, or it's hard for them to address it until they hear someone else talk about it. Absolutely, um, so-
1: I, I I I didn't mean to interrupt, but I it brought, th- you said that and it reminded me just the other day uh, I had an email um, from a kid. Oh, well, I don't know how old he was. I'm, I'm under the impression he was young, and he was telling me about how. Uh, he had the same issue and he was talking about it and everything rang true with what I said and then he said that he found one of my Tumblr posts or something where I talked about it and he was saying how much it helped me and you know, people send me stuff like that all the time like how much like my videos help them that actually made me cry though like I was sitting there reading it and I tears were like forming in my eyes and I don't cry very often um, and even even like it was a couple days ago and I have yet to reply to it because I wanted to reply to it so bad and I'm going to I have it open in a tab but I didn't have the words right then so I was like I'm going to wait until like a couple, you know, you know, I was planning on doing it the next day, but I'm a space cadet, so I forgot. Um, <laughs> but like, he, that was just the other day. So it's it, that that is a big reason why I talk about it, because I realize when you, especially for young kids, people don't talk about mental health, well, maybe more so now than than before, but people don't talk about mental health a lot. And if 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 you feel like, it, I just remember what it's like to be where he was and where he is, and mm-hmm. I could, would have loved to have someone Say hey man, I feel like that too, and it's not a big deal. Like that would have helped me like so much.
0: So has that become maybe not your your cause du jour, but maybe I don't know just just by default, if you had to have something that you sp- speak for or speak some sort of cause, and that is has that sort of become it? Sort of mental health issues or anxiety in general, or is that is maybe that's something that you have sort of fallen into as as something that you publicly are are in favor of talking about more.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a mixture of, of feeling obligated to to and wanting to help people, and also in that in, when I first started being open, in of itself, like I said, that in of itself was its own kind of therapy. Like, just hey, everybody, I have this terrible anxiety; it affected me most of my life, and kind of it was kind of terrible. Some of my lowest points in my life, I it was it was uh, really bad, and then she's like, "Oh wow, I said it. There you go." And it's kind of that in of itself is like it makes it easier to deal with. Just being open about it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's freeing once you own something that you could – if you have the courage to talk about it and say, "Okay, this happened to me. It sucked. But, hey, it is what it is. Once you have the strength to do that, it it, it sort of minimizes the effect, at least to me, on something bad happened versus ignoring it or pretending it wasn't as bad as it really was. For sure. But that's that's good that – and I believe social media, one of the positive aspects of it is getting the word out for issues like that, like mental health, health issues, things like that. Um, for, for example, when, uh, Justin Carmichael, uh, passed away, yeah. uh, uh, Jesus, what was that already four years ago already? Oh my God. Um, I thought social media was helpful in getting the word out about depression and, and basically letting people know there was always outlets out there for you to talk to someone. Like it, 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 it may not be as bad as it seems, yeah. um, and to, to to a somewhat lesser degree, um, panic attacks anxiety issues just letting know that it's normal to have this occur it doesn't make you strange or weird it's not something wrong with you uh per se it's just it is what it is we don't have control over these sort of issues at times and and mental health is is just as important as physical health in in a lot of ways uh but let's talk about the other side i guess of social media if we want to get into that (laughs) The, the drama that the can occur. Side. <laughs> The drama and, and the, the vitriol and sort of the divisiveness of, of social media. And you, you've certainly, I don't want to say i have gotten caught up on it, but you've definitely seen it firsthand how that could, could happen in, in the blink of an eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's one of those things where, you know, there's tons of people out there and it, it, I, I guess – I have always kind of, I don't think about my YouTube, I, you know, I guess basically I don't think about how many followers I have very often. Like, I I kind of live in my own head, and I just do, I'm always thinking about when the next video is. Um, so sometimes you forget, like, how, how many people could potentially listen to or hear something you say. So even to this day, like, I'll just reply to somebody on Twitter, and I'm like... Like, no one's going to see this. And then I'll look back, like, because <laughs> I'm just, like, adding some ran- rando guy I've never met before. And then, like, you look back, and then there's, like, like a day later, and there's, like, 20 likes on it, and, like, three, like, four people replied. It's, like, people are, like, looking at, like, my ads on Twitter. Like, like that's not, like, something that I think about very often. Um, so, yeah, it, it is, it can, it can happen.
0: Sure. It's, um, a, it's a thing that can happen, Pat. Was there one thing that happened in the past few months that stood out maybe (laughs) or surprised you, um, the Uh, response to?
1: (laughs) You know, Pat, I'm not sure what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Well, we talk about partnerships uh, of collaborative websites, and sometimes partnerships may change. They might be altered. Sometimes they might potentially end uh, for various reasons. Um, So I I believe – there was someone on Twitter that asked you straight up about uh, your relationship with John and and your response to that sort of just blew up on Twitter. Um, Yeah. Which was very, not surprising, but I think to some people it, it it might've put in perspective, you know, sort of uh, the reality of a situation versus the perception of something. And it's not, to me, it's not common for a, a content creator or YouTuber uh, to be, I guess, as maybe not blunt or straightforward with an answer and not as po- or, and not as political as one may normally be with the yeah. response. Am I, am I am I trying to dance around this more than you, you would or?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it is what it is. Sometimes I'm usually pretty reserved. I don't I don't like speak bluntly very often. But uh, you know, every now and then, I can be kind of hot-headed. Like, I, like you know, I I get it from my mom. Like she, I, I always tell, I always joke around with her that I got her fire. Sometimes I got my dad's like laid-back, like who cares? Like it'll get it, you know everything will be get done in its time. And then I kind of got my mom's feisty, high-pitched voice when I get irritated, kind of thing. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I know what you're referring to. That that. <laughs> If anything, I, I, I typed that out in, like, three seconds. There was no thought put into that. Probably deserved more thought, more time and more thought.
0: <laughs> and, just, and just for the record, for those who know what we're talking about, I guess someone had asked – someone had basically I, –
1: I, It was Ethan, uh, who, who, are, who I like. I, I like Ethan. I don't H, no, I have no H, issues with
0: him. H3H3, H3, correct?
1: Yes, yes. He's, I, think it's, I, lo- I, I I admire, it, like, how – how much he, not just how much he's grown, but, like, you know, how fast and, like, how savvy he is with his content. Um, but I've never actually met him in person. But I think he's I I I admire him, so I have no issues with him. But he was irritating me <laughs> in that
0: particular moment. He basically <laughs> called you out for I think for, for not for backstabbing John Tron for not having his was not having his back.
1: No, basically, he was he he was his his point was why would you say something like I you know John said what he said and I obviously didn't agree. So uh, and people. Were adding me about it and everything, like, and so I kind of felt compelled to say, basically, I don't agree with that, you know. And I even I got a death threat based on what John said. I think the person thought I was him. We're
0: referring to John Tron's political stances.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm kind of done with all that, but which is part of the reason why I don't mind talking about it. Um. But he – the way he fra- – he was basically, why would you do that to a friend? And I was – I just answered the question honestly, I, 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 especially at that point. I was like, well, we, we weren't friends. We hadn't talked for, you know, like probably a year and a half maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't keep track. Um, and obviously that was a very poor way to answer that question because pe- I didn't elaborate further. And people thought that that meant that I had just sort of disowned him, which was not the case. I, even at that point, I didn't have any – I had no particular ill will with John so it at the time,
0: just, at the time, you were just being truthful. I said, "Oh, we're not, we're not friends." So, it, from my perspective,
1: he shared his point of view, and I was like, "Well, I, I want to share mine, and mine's the opposite of that." And that was kind of all that it was. And uh, I, th- I think that would have been fine. But then once I said that, people took it as uh, I had, you know, soft. They, they thought
0: they thought you dis- disavowed him because of his his views when, in the fact, what I was, you weren't friends even at that point in time.
1: Yeah, or at, le- at the very least, I wouldn't have said that we were friends because we, you know, normally friends speak. But we, we, I mean, you know, and that that's part of the pro- that was part of the problem and part of the miscommunication was that I didn't feel like I should say why we why we weren't friends. So it, it was something unrelated, and you know, I I wouldn't say it because I wouldn't, you know, I mean, I still I'm I i do not hate John. I I wouldn't want to throw him under the bus and like. To try to say something and you know and like throw my basically throw my side of, of a story out without having him say anything.
0: So um, from your perspective you're answering a question truthfully, you're responding. Um but to the rest of the world, they were shocked that oh my god, this is two partners that their, their world is not what we thought it was and uh, you know it's like a it's a, maybe it's a war we didn't know about. They 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 they, they ran with that tweet, so to speak. As, as funny as that sounds, that's what happens though on social media.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just get one little snippet, and then that travels, and that's all that travels. And, and that, you know, that's fine. I don't really care that much about it, um, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, like people, people basically. My my perspective on it is that people that are judging me don't know who I am, and they never will. So there's no point in trying to convince them of something that they're already convinced of. But for for me, like, I got a lot of accusations. Like, how could you like like disown a friend? Who based on political views, and I tried to explain. Uh, I mean, some people listened, but some people just cared about the first snippet, and that that's just is what it. That just was what it was. But it, from my perspective, that's ridiculous because I don't do that. In fact, I—I I disagree with probably ninety percent. I—I I just like I come from a family that actually completely disagrees with me on. Just about every political issue you can imagine, and I and I talk to him about it. Like, I, like I, you know, I'll, I'll talk to about like my mom on the phone about stuff like that. I don't care. Like, that's not. I'm just a blunt. In my probably my personality in real life, I'm fine with just saying what I think, and that's really not a problem with me. So to me, that accusation was a little bit. I would I wouldn't say ridiculous because I understand why they they thought it was the case, but it's just like. To me, it was. It's uh, that's obviously not true. So, what's the point in trying to convince people otherwise when it seems it seemed to me, from my perspective, that they weren't really interested in. Or a lot of them weren't really interested in listening to me anyway. They were just mad that I had said something, and that was kind of their that was kind of their go to. Oh, we can get him for that thing. That one particular comment.
0: And the per- the perfect storm the perfect storm of maybe your your bluntness versus the. Uh- Twitter being the possibly the worst place to have any sort of nuanced conversation because it's, yeah, sure. it's not even structured for that, 140-word limits. You can't really have – that's why I would say Twitter is the absolute worst place to talk about social or political issues overall. It's yeah. just so difficult to. So, so you got a little bit of heat from that, but in the long term, it is what it is and it wasn't a big deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just typical internet stuff. I mean, like I, people just called me a social justice warrior, or, like stuff like that, which is news to me because it wasn't that long ago that, that people that would have referred to themselves as social justice warriors were mad at me for stuff that I said. So it's kind of ridiculous when people insinuate that to me. But then, then again, it just kind of comes down to like, how much effort do you really want to spend trying to convince people of something when, when you know, I, I just have things that I'm more interested in doing, obviously.
0: Absolutely, and to me, that's why when I see even my friends, or especially around, well, politics now is so divisive, but it it always is around around the um, the elections, and then I see my friends or people I follow start tweeting and retweeting tons of stuff. I'm just like, well, it is what it is. I, you don't want to – once you start wading into it, you're, you're sort of dr- dr- dragged down on social media. It, it's sort of – I have a sort of a theory of you've you got to stay out of it or you're all into it at that point. It's kind of hard to go in half. tippy toes yeah that's at least my perspective i've definitely seen tweets and retweets and and people liking stuff and i agree with some of it i don't agree with others and it's just like okay this is not how i I think i want to be using twitter right now for the most
1: part yeah and that's kind of why some of those assertions were a little ridiculous to me because i follow a lot of people that will say stuff and i'm like i don't agree with that at all and then that's it and then that that's literally that i go on with the rest of my day i don't unfollow them I think I, I I probably only muted like one person that I can think of. No, two people for political stuff, and it wasn't because I disagreed with them. It was just because they were constantly arguing with people on their Twitter feed, and I and it was like neg just so much negativity on my feed that I was just like, oh, I'll just mute them and unmute them later when all this stuff is over. But I I, I don't like
0: you know it's it's. Well- The the bad news, though, is that with what's currently going on, it it hasn't stopped that much. Like I remember after (laughs) I remember after the 2012 election, um, it calmed down fairly quickly afterwards. Yeah. Um. After that election, where it was like, okay, one side lost, the other side won. You know, it's back to semi-normal. But once you hit like 2000, you know, 16, and then with the election of the current president, and then With everything else going on, it just seems like we've reached this point where it's every day, not just random people, but people that I follow are are tweeting political stuff. And at some point, I'm either thinking they got to get tired of it or I'm going to have a mental break myself seeing it. And that's not to say talking about politics isn't important and social issues, but – and again, Twitter is not the place where I want to see that, at least personally. Yeah, and it's, 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 just, it's
1: draining. Just, I know for a fact, for me personally, it's draining. I, it's hard to be creative when you're drained down and uh, all this like negativity and back and forth. And I, I think you're mentioning this election in particular. I think it was this – the reason why – part of the reason why it's so divisive is the campaign on both sides were kind of that guy sucks, vote for me. <laughs> That that lady sucks, vote for me. And that's kind of like, I mean, there were some policy issues here and there, I guess. Maybe. But, like, it was just like, maybe. if you vote for them, we're all screwed. Well, if you vote for them, we're all screwed. And so it's just like, well, if both candidates are running on this, then it's no wonder that that's, that became, that's why it became so divisive. It's It's, you know...
0: Yeah, it's when it's a campaign of uh, at least in my eyes, like who do you hate less? Vote yeah, for them. Absolutely. It's like oh, this is fantastic. This choice now now in front of me. But you're right the the um, the results of that being pounded into into the electorate for six seven months is not good. Yeah. Um, and then I I feel at least personally I feel alienated by the entire thing. Or it's just like okay, can I can I talk sensibly with someone? And again, you can, but just not to me on Twitter. That's just not the place to do it. Yeah,
1: and I think that's fair.
0: If it's hard to do that about freaking video games, it's impossible to do that about politics.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to get some flack, say something about,
0: like, Nintendo or something on, oh, oh, yeah. on Twitter. Or people coming after me because I was like, oh, hey, guys. I, I point out, oh, Geek has some NES Classic editions uh, uh, left. And people go, like, oh, Pat, how can you support this? This is a form of scalping. I was like, oh, my God. I'm trying to give you guys the opportunity to <laughs> buy one speaking of that, speaking of that, sir, I am jealous that you got an n e s classic edition early from i what did I, I did, and here here I am my bre- that's my bread and butter I'm just like begging to get one early, and I couldn't make it happen.
1: I didn't even ask for it i, I was thinking maybe they'll send me an s n e s one but they ah
0: oh, rub it in, in. rub so, it in uh, austin <laughs> sorry, sorry i remember i remember a comic con <laughs> since nintendo's uh, always at the um the hotel next to, I think the high, they always had their, their Nintendo space set up. I remember going there two days, trying to try to get the the, um, PR rep. They were never there. I was like, I just want to ask for someone. I was like, Hey, listen guys, I got this book coming out. I'm sort of an NES guy. I really appreciate if you can get me an early, uh, early version of this at least or something. And I couldn't even talk to someone there. I was like, ah, damn it. I'm not, I'm not on the radar enough for Nintendo. Did you get, you Um, got one now though, right? Oh yeah. I managed to get a, I got a bundle. I, I don't, I don't begrudge GameStop for selling it, but I did get the bundle at the time where it came with the the uh, the, the, their, the Nintendo guide they put out. Then I got the extra controller, which is actually interesting because those are impossible to find, the North American version of the extra controller. Those are like, like, for some reason, those are like the hot collector items. You can find them like the European ones you can find all over the place, but for some reason they didn't put out many in North America. So there you have it. The box version. Uh, what percentage of your gaming is retro versus modern if you had a sort of a, sort of have a delineation mark?
1: I, I assume you're
0: referring to just like free time? Oh, I guess in general. I mean, like, what do you see that as? Do you, do you gravitate towards one or do you feel like you have to do a lot of modern gaming to keep up with the times and obviously because that gets more views? I mean, what? how do you see it?
1: Um, As far as like what gets more views to me sometimes that's hard to tell. I don't really know. Because it seems like I'll do like a video on uh, a new Nintendo game and it doesn't do well. And then I'll do a Goodwill Games and then it gets like a bunch of views in like two days. So sometimes it's hard to say. For for, for me personally, if I'm just playing a game, uh, unless I'm playing something new, uh, I play a lot of stuff on PC, then I tend to gravitate back to kind of N64, GameCube, Wii type stuff. Uh, I do I do play a lot of uh I love playing Super Nintendo. I grew up playing Super Nintendo with my brother. Um and I I I do NES a lot as well, but I'm it for me like my retro quote unquote is like oh man back in the day when I would play like Animal Crossing on the GameCube. Like that was like my big thing or like Mario 64 was like the first big game that I played and really loved. Like that was I mean I played like I said a lot of SNES, I, I was born in 1990, which was the year the SNES came out, but my older brother had an NES and a Super Nintendo, and I didn't, at the time, I didn't even really know the difference. I knew the NES was the older one, and then the Super Nintendo was the newer one, but to me, I didn't really care. It was just what, me and my brother would go to the, like, the, like, the local equivalent of Blockbuster, like, video hits or whatever, and be like, D- do you have any two-player-at-a-time games? That's what we would, <laughs> like, so that we could, like, play, like, like Final Fight or, like, something like that so we could play together. But then, to me, that's basically all games were at the time, and it wasn't really even old enough to comprehend much more. And then when I saw Mario 64, I was like, you can swim, and there's fish? I was just, like, running outside the castle. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of when I first was like, man, video games. Like, this is something that you could really do anything with this. And that's, so, like, to me, that's that's kind of where I go back to that. If, if I'm looking for some nostalgia, I go to kind of N64 GameCube.
0: Uh, it's so interesting since we're that like one gaming generation apart. Where by the time I got to N sixty four, I was out of consoles and was playing computer games. Those were for <laughs> ma- mature adults. You got Blood and Doom, and you know you got Full Motion Video boobies and stuff. You know, uh-huh. you know that's basically what it was for me because that was probably around when I was in high school. It was like, oh, you can play a console game or you move on to you know take over the world in Civilization two. And that was sort of my sort of uh, gaming arc as a as a kid going into my teenage years. For me, Very it was it was Call of Duty One, the
1: first uh, World War Two game, was one of my first PC games that I played. I mean, I played Starcraft stuff like that back in the day, and Roller Coaster Tycoon, but I didn't actually like play PC games on my own computer until about like Call of Duty One.
0: Interesting. I think my my big one was uh, the first Medal of Honor game, where you're you're storming the beaches of Normandy. I think that was the first one. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Out- Allied Assault was that the big one? Yeah, that was the big one. I think I may have, may have played the console version of that. I oh, remember yeah, that, that, that definitely came out. I think on GameCube and PS2, I believe.
1: Yeah, I played. It was GameCube. I I remembered Normandy and Up the Beach. It was like weird control, like uh, analog sticks, which to me was all I didn't know anything else at the time because I didn't play shooters really. I, I think I know the first shooter I played was Counter Strike Source but i I played it at my friend's house. I didn't have like my own computer until I was a little older.
0: interesting so when you went to when you went to college, did you get your your, your computer gaming on at that point
1: uh it was it was more high school i I remember getting my first computer maybe eighth or ninth grade. I don't my parents were always a little slow and on, like, upgrading technology, and, and I mean, I didn't have, I had to save up my own money and stuff, too, so, I mean, obviously, my parents helped me get my computer with, like, Christmas presents, but I had they, I had to work for it kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely, once I got older in high school, I, I started playing WoW, uh, stuff like that, and I remember playing Dead Space when, that was one of the games I remember playing when I moved out to college. I was really into Dead Space at that time.
0: Oh, uh, that's that, that's the um the one where you're in space, obviously, but you're like a like a, a space marine. There's like ghosts and stuff. You're, that you're
1: not a space marine. You're an engineer. That was part of what was cool about it was because you were just like this regular guy, um, and you didn't have real weapons. You had like, well, you could get some, but you mostly had like these in- weird futuristic engineer guns and like oh. stuff like that. It's. I mean, I think Dead Space holds up to this day, especially, uh, you know, Dead Space 2 is a little more action-y, but uh, Dead Space 2 is really good too. Dead Space 3, I haven't really even... I barely played that one, to be honest with you. But I really loved the first two. I think they still hold up, but it might be my nostalgia talking. I don't know.
0: I think my cousin used to always play that. He used to mention to me, yeah, 2008, yeah, he used to play that a lot. Um, I was trying to get back into uh, PC gaming... With Steam, it's easier. I have a nice gaming laptop. I have waiting. I, I still have to play Friday the Thirteenth. It's still sitting. I bought it. I haven't played it yet. It's still still sitting there. <laughs> it's it, it's trying to at least for me. Maybe you know it. It's kind of hard to. Uh, you have all your energy going into playing these games for videos and reviewing them, and then on your off time, do you have the energy to go play games for, for leisure at the same time? It's I definitely feel that. It's it's tough because yeah. you you want to be able to play games. At least for me. Not not to make it about me, but like for example, when I was working on it's my your podcast. NES. Oh yeah, but you're you're the guest. but when I was working on the NES book, <laughs> um, it, it, it was hard for gaming in general to be fun because here I am playing hundreds of these NES games, and that's all for this you know book assignment that it's all where no one's no one's to me getting anything out of me playing these games it's all internal until this book comes out uh-huh. and it's it's just a slog i don't see any result of this for like you know a year and a half two three years and so i you know at that point in time it was very difficult to then go from doing that and then relaxing and playing a game it was just very hard to do that it's just like i did the last thing i wanted to do was play a video game at that point
1: yeah i i feel that i i think that's Part, maybe that's part of the reason why I like doing the good old game stuff, because it's I'm not doing like a video on a new game, which in and of itself almost kind of ruins the game for you a little bit because it becomes work. Like, oh I gotta play Breath of the Wild and even though I'm super excited and have tons of fun playing it, eventually, even even though I got it early, it's like, well, eventually and now I have to start getting into work mode. And even while you're playing, I'm like stopping for twenty minutes to write some notes down and stuff like that. So then by the time you're done with the video, it's like, well, I'm finished with my work of this particular thing and then breath of the wild is obviously one that that is kind of an exception but i'm just so i don't know why i'm using that as an example but so sometimes it's like oh i do a video on arms and i think it's really fun but then i'm done with the video and i'm like man i've been working on this video for like really hard for like a week two weeks and so now i'm kind of done with it you know sure but with goodwill games it's like you know i don't even know what this is so i can just like work on that and then move on to playing whatever i like Yeah, I I guess you
0: you can get sort of the the leisure in there because these are games that are – these are silly games. You can kind of have fun and go through it and maybe your fans don't – excuse me, not fans. Your followers don't expect the same sort (laughs) of rigor. Thanks for obliging Uh, me. Uh, They they, they don't expect the same sort of reviewing rigor with a game like, uh, I don't know, uh, some random schoolhouse jams freaking educational game versus Breath of the Wild. Where you can just—it's almost like it's almost like a mini vacation from real work, so to speak, for you. I don't know, but yeah. that's how I, that's how I would look at it. I gotta ship you a whole bunch of uh, crap I found at the flea market to play. Maybe we can do that at some point because <laughs> uh, I don't I don't time to play the Mary Kate and Ashley uh, games as much as maybe you uh, or Barbie games or things that I find that I, that I like. I did but, literally
1: uh, do a Barbie game on the first one.
0: Oh, did did you? Which one was it? You remember?
1: Uh Barbie. It one of her mini jobs, uh Barbie Adventure something for the PlayStation <laughs> one, like she Okay. Bar, it's Barbie Explorer. I just remember she goes, I'm gonna be a world class explorer. I guess when you're Barbie you can just say, I'm just gonna do this now and then you just
0: are just a world class explorer now. Hey, it's, said. it's a support message for the kids out yeah. there. I think I you think, think I, the, uh, <laughs> I think I found the racehorsing one at this slot meet once. That's probably one I should play at one point. But tell me, Austin, what do you have going on in the in the future? What's coming up?
1: Ah, uh, well, um, we have our. I, I do some stuff on my gameplay channel now, and we have videos every day. I don't. I don't edit those videos. I. I. Um. Most of my time is spent on the on the main channel. People people to this day sometimes think I don't edit those, but the main channel videos. But I do. I I have someone that like does the assembly edit, and then I spend like. And then I want well, it's it it's it, 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 in theory it saves me time but it, sometimes it feels like it doesn't because then it's still spent like a fit two 15 hour days in a row to like finish it up but uh so we got, we have our uh, hardcore series going on I say R because I don't even really do any of the work for it anymore I show up um <laughs> my friend Todd uh does it and he's re- he's really great and he he does really good work with it um but it was a show me my brother came up with uh, where it's like you you get a bunch of people and they either complete a goal and win or everyone dies and you lose. Um, oh. So it's kind of like a reality show where you don't know what's going to happen and that's kind of what's fun about it. Um, and you know your favorite character, so to speak, can just die and and even I can just die in my own show, like in the first episode. And then I'm just like, if it's twenty episodes, I'm in like one of them. So it just <laughs> it, it's like it just whatever happens happens kind of thing, which is fun because there's some unpredictability to it um but yeah we and we also we're also doing uh pb and jeff we were mentioning how like sometimes it's hard to sit down and just play a game for fun honestly that's part of what i love doing about that like we're playing pikmin 2 right now and i just it's just a fun game and even though we we record for like six seven hours at a time sometimes so it's gonna be draining uh it's still a lot of fun and to just like sit down and play like okay well i'm playing pikmin today like that's fun you know so we're we're doing that and uh, i'm working on a another video on i'm always working on a main channel video so working on, on it's actually a, it's actually a movie uh it's the first time i've ever done a video about something that's not even game not game related in any way not even like a game cartoon it's just a straight up movie it's related to my channel now at this point but i don't want to spoil what it is just yet because i'm not sure when this is coming out
0: Movie review kinda sort of. I
1: mean it's a straight up movie review, yeah. Um it, it it's it's if anyone who's like familiar with my channel would 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 equate the content to me. Like it's something that I'm known for talking about. But it's not video game related at all, which is a first for me, so we'll see how that goes.
0: Very interesting. And where can people find you on Twitter and on YouTube?
1: Uh Twitter.com slash peanut butter GMR because it didn't fit. Um <laughs> Think about that, kids. If if you're one of those uh, kids we were talking about early in the podcast, where you're like starting your YouTube channel, think about your name Link. That's important. <laughs> don't go too long. Also, don't call yourself Peanut Butter Gamer because that's a dumb name. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's already taken.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's also taken. I won't fight you. You can do it if you want, but uh, I don't, it's probably not going to work out. Um, yeah, it's and just YouTube.com/slash Peanut Butter Gamer, gameplay.
0: Well, it was great to finally uh, chat with you after my um, disheveled. <laughs> uh, tired state at portland retro gaming expo <laughs> last year well i tell else. you
1: i'll tell you what <laughs> if we go to portland we got to get some pizza
0: we, we definitely got to get a slice in i i, I can't believe i missed out uh, on free pizza <laughs> i cannot believe that's so not like me all right austin we should uh talk again soon and maybe do one of those dreaded collabs down the road we'll see
1: yeah let's let's do it thanks for having me it was, it was fun i started, i got the i don't even hear that a garbage truck is sending me off i think <laughs>
0: describes my podcast well enough so. <laughs> thanks again to austin for speaking to me this week check him out he's peanut butter gamer on youtube if you enjoyed the not so common podcast please consider subscribing on your podcast platform of choice Podbean, stitcher google play itunes or whatever else you use to listen to them you can rate the podcast and leave a comment to help give it a boost and also spread the word on social media to let others know how much you enjoy it Finally, if you want to help directly support me and the podcast, please check out patreon.com slash Thanks, and I'll see you next time.